WWLS The Sports Animal, live from Augusta National with Craig Humphreys. Proudly sponsored by Air Comfort Solutions, Groove It Brush, the Inner Urban Restaurants, Golf USA, and Buffalo Wild Wings on the Northwest Expressway. And good Sunday evening. Happy Easter to everyone and welcome to our fourth round wrap-up show right here on the Sports Animal. Craig Humphreys reporting live from Augusta National. We'll be joined by the guys from the 73rd hole. Right now we have Taylor Williams with us. Good evening, T-Dub. Good evening, guys. Another Masters in the books. Uh, I guess tomorrow we got to start the countdown of 364 more days uh, till Masters Sunday. But uh, it was nice to have another one. And after yesterday's weather, I'm just glad that uh, we don't have a Monday finish. <laughs> I I am very happy about uh, not having the Monday finish teed up, and I got to say, uh, number the one number one thing I hope for every year is drama, and we didn't have the drama today as far as you know uh, the tournament being in doubt coming down to the 18th hole. John Rahm, your winner by four shots over Phil Mickelson and Brooks Kepka. Tough day for Brooks Kepka. Amazing day for Phil Mickelson. And uh, and let's uh, also let's bring in our man Jim Woodward, also from Seventy Third Hole Podcast. Woody, good evening. Hey, happy Easter to you, boys. Uh, well, yeah, happy Easter to you, Woody. I, I'll tell you, you know, Craig. For the average golfer, it was probably boring today. But me personally, I was enthralled and really excited for how smart John Rahm played that Masters, played that last round. He did it perfectly. Now, if that, the average golfer probably isn't going to be all excited because we didn't have the drama. But watching how he played that round of golf today, um, he made one mistake that I could see, only one, and I'm not really sure it was a mistake when he sucked it off nine green. Other than that, that was surgical today, guys. It was textbook. If you're a golfer, if you're a golfer, the way he played that back nine, where he hit the ball, where he had to, every hole, didn't shoot at pins, that was that was a impressive three under no it was woody i i totally agree with you and so here's where i'm happy and let, let's bring in sam humphreys also from the 73rd hole uh he was out here today uh sam welcome um and and sam first of all let's just bring you, you in get, just get your thoughts and i was out there with you uh following we followed the final group uh for the front nine uh, something i haven't done in a number of years and it was great to have Bev and you, and, and with everything that Bev has uh, been through the last year, it was just, it was great. A great way to spend Easter Sunday. That was special. Yeah, it, no, was, awesome. it was. It was. It was very special. But what I was going to say, Sam, is even though we didn't have the drama today with the tournament being in doubt, we ended up with a great champion. I mean, I got so much respect for John Rahm, and he's going to win a bunch of majors and will probably win a bunch of green jackets. But I just think it's good for golf. When a guy like John Rahm, who, number one, he's just such a good guy. Phil Mickelson was just in talking to the media, and he talked about that. Mickelson, of course, uh, his brother, Tim, I mean, Rahm played for him at Arizona State, and Phil says first time he ever met him, I mean, he went out and shot a 62 and, and uh, put a beat down on Phil. But he's such a good guy. But what I love, and, and Woody, is he is such a, a great historian. I mean, he appreciates the history of the game. Not just the history of, of Seve Ballesteros, and, but, but it is. How ironic is it, guys, that it's on the 40-year anniversary of Seve's victory in 1983, his second win. Seve won here in 80 and 83, but also on Seve's birthday, April 9th, uh, that John Rahm 
wins his first green jacket. And so, and like Woody said, it was a textbook round for people. And, and Woody, I understand what you're saying. Uh, as a golf pro and, and a former touring pro, Woody can appreciate how surgical John Rahm was today. And to start the morning, Four shots back, of course, we had, and we knew going in last night, we talked about it, could have a two-shot swing on the first hole. That's exactly what we had on number seven of their second round. But but to start the day four shots back, to start the final round two shots back, you got to hand it to John Rahm what he did today to win going away uh, by four shots. And so I'm very happy that we have a great champion. And... Um, and and then also happy for the other storylines with with Phil Mickelson guys what he did T Dub talk about what Phil Mickelson did today at age fifty two. I mean, huh, man, you you pretty much called it before the week. I mean, I, I was saying a week ago there's going to be no chance that Phil plays good in this tournament. I just could not see it coming. Mean, he did he did play pretty good in the final round of Live Orlando, so maybe there's a little bit of hope there. But I mean, he was at, at one point, guys, he was leading this tournament in strokes game putting. The only person he ended up finishing second in that category, the only person. Higher than him was Justin Rose, but uh, but yeah, Phil just played some magical stuff. Really, what he birdie? He birdied seven of his last thirteen holes, I believe, or something like that. Shooting a thirty-one five under bogey free on the back. Now only had one bogey all day, which was five, which I, I believe was the hardest hole played today. So yeah, Phil just brought some magnificent stuff. He uh, gained almost a full shot off the tee. Did gain a full shot um, approach the green, and and as I mentioned earlier with the putting, he actually lost strokes around the greens, which is something that for Phil Mickelson. You're not you're not used to seeing him, and you know, really, guys. I think the thing that that really helped Phil too. He had 46 uh, of 56 fairways this week. He had 82 percent of the fairways. That's pretty crazy. Usually, Phil's down around the 50, 60 percent mark. So uh, he, he actually had it going. So I mean, what's crazy to say is about Phil, if his short game would have been a little bit better, he might have been able to put a little bit more pressure on Rob. Well, and and um, Woody, just uh, talk about Phil Mickelson. What uh, talk about his his round? Like T Dub said. Uh, what teed up seven out of the last 13 holes he had five birdies in his last seven holes today but like we've talked about this guy knows his way around this golf course and and we talk about it every year it's not just the three green jackets that phil mickelson has right but it's i mean this was his 30th masters and the guy has nine top threes well now he's got 10 top threes that was his 10th top three in the masters and so now he has 10 top threes 12 top fives 16 top tens and 21 top 25s and so this this guy it's yeah he, he's won three times but woody he, he could have won a half dozen of them very easily Oh, I think you're right, Craig. And and the only guy you can look at age-wise that keeps being amazing is Fred Couples made another cut. And and so can I see Phil playing into his 60s? Oh, yeah, I could. I I could easily see that. I guess as much as anything, uh, you know, poor old Phil, uh, like him or dislike him, I don't care. But but he's been through a ringer this last uh, 18 months. So... Um, to to come and play and play that solid was pretty doggone impressive. Uh, I, I'll say this about John Roman. You were talking about a good guy and where he is and what he is. If if you look at the Spaniards in general, Sevy Sevy was very emotional, very fiery. Uh, we know what Sergio is. Uh, Jose Maria Alatabal was probably the calmest of the Spaniards, and he had his moments. So. If I was another player on tour, I'd be really worried right now because, gentlemen, we know how John Rahm started this golf tournament. He four-putted number one for double. 
I'm going to say to you, a few years back, if John Rahman had done that, he wouldn't be putting on a green jacket. He is learning to control his emotions. And if I'm at a tour player watching that, that scares me to death. Because talent-wise, Phil would say it best. Phil, Phil told you right out of the box when he was in college how good he was going to be. So it, it's going to be scary what John Rahm might can achieve now that he's kind of controlling his emotions and everything else. Pretty phenomenal week when you think he started with a four-putt. All right, Sam, you were out there today. You saw Brooks Kepka. The, the one disappointment for me is, is I, I think it also would have been uh, good for golf for Brooks Kepka to win his fifth major. It's great to have him back on the major scene after, guys, it's, it's been almost four years since he won his last major, had severe injuries to, to his knee, long recovery. I know he won on, on the live tour in the fall. He also won in Orlando last week. And... I mean, he, he was trying to lead wire to wire here. And, and Sam, you look at this this Masters for Brooks Kepka. Kepka started off with the 65 on Thursday, ended up with a 67 in the second round, played early on Friday, maybe a bit of a break to play early on Friday and get in at 12 under par at the halfway point. But the weekend, very disappointing. Uh, very disappointing. Yesterday really only got six-plus holes in in the bad weather. Ends up with a 73 uh, for that uh, third round, but still takes a two-shot lead into the final round, and it has to be very disappointing uh, for him to shoot a three-over 75, uh, six shots worse than John Rahm for the day, and to finish four shots back. What did you see from Kepka today? Guys, I mean, the thing that I saw from this Masters is – the golf world was reminded of three things. John Rahm is the best player in the world. The official world golf ranking is broken and live golf is no exhibition. Three players in the top four. But what I saw, let's get back to that first thing. I feel like John Rahm put pressure on Brooks Kepka from the start and it accentuated every little mistake that Brooks made. I think that John Rahm hitting 14 of 18 fairways, uh, 14 greens, excuse me, on the round and, you know, 11 out of the 14 fairways, every single time that Brooks made a mistake, John Rahm hit the shot that he needed to hit. So let's go from the start of the round with Brooks. I mean, obviously didn't get the birdie at number two. Uh, John Rahm got the birdie at three. And, and then we go to four, guys, and I was right behind Brooks Kepka when he hit that shot on the four tee box, the long par three, and that ball was right at the flag stick, but it fluttered a little bit, uh, you know, cutting it back up into the, the northeast wind, um, and hit and he hit it in the bunker, guys, and then ends up making a bogey there, but really, it, it just, it didn't look like a whole lot was wrong with Brooks Kepka today, it just looked like you know, every little mistake he made, like on number six, he hit it long. You can't hit it long on number six. And then he starts pressing on number nine, uh, has the three putt or the two putt from, uh, you know, after being just off the green on nine. And then uh, you get to 12, obviously just a little pull there, a little pull kill over the green, then chunks the chip, just kind of uncharacteristic there. 14, I think he was pressing, knew he had to make that putt, ran it by on 14 after the birdie on 15 um and guys i mean then he hit a great shot into 15 birdied 16 and then 17 again i think he was pressing just trying to chip that ball in but the mistakes on the front nine 
uh, really weren't big ones from Brooks Kepka. Really hit a good shot into four in the bunker, big mi- and 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 ended up being a big mistake because then all of a sudden. John Rahm is right there, and then you hit it over the green on six, and all of a sudden the golf tournament's flipped on its head, Dad. I, I'm not really saying that Brooks Kepka choked today. It's just John Rahm hit every single shot that he needed to hit to put pressure on Brooks Kepka throughout the day. And guess what? John Rahm broke Brooks Kepka today. No, I, I think that's well said. And, and you know, T Kepka in his TV interview, he he did mention that he thought he got a few bad breaks today. Now he thought he got a few. He said he got a few good breaks too. He said he hit a poor uh, tee shot at one and and got lucky uh, to have a shot. He also hit a poor tee shot at eight, and he just had no no shot there. He it, it was pitch out uh, at um, at number eight. But when he talked, and Sam and I were out there at number at number seven, the ball hangs up just at the top of the bowl where if it feeds even a few inches to the right, it's going to be right down under the pin on number nine. It, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever seen a ball hang up where it hung up, uh, Woody on number nine. Um, so it's just. Um, and it hang, hangs up, and, and he said, if it comes off the slope, it's going to be down for for Tapian. I mean, on number nine. So huge difference there, but. The bottom line is, Kepka, he, he just didn't have his best stuff today. And it wasn't that John Rahm was spectacular, but like Woody said, John Rahm did everything that you need to do uh, to win the Masters in the final group. And guys, I mean, really, Kepka starts with a two-shot lead. Rahm uh, catches him at, uh, at the end of number four. It's They're tied at 10 under, still tied at 10 under on number five. And then Rahm takes his first lead, as we talked about, on the par three uh, six-hole. Then Kepka hit the bad drive at eight. Rom gets the birdie at eight. Now he's got a two-shot lead. They both bogey number nine. So he's still. T- I mean, it's a two-shot game going to the back nine Sunday at the Masters. This thing is not over, and still a two-shot game going into twelve. And then Kepka with the bogey at number twelve, and and he talked about that on on the club site. He just couldn't believe how far the ball went uh, at number twelve uh, to go over that green, but. Uh, the bogey at 12, and then Rom with the birdie at number 13. Of course, Kepka still birdied that one also. But then the big swing at number 14, where we had the two-shot swing, Kepka with the bogey, Rom with the birdie. Now he's got a five-shot lead on Kepka, and Kepka was was pretty much done at that point. But Tita, but what what did you see today uh, from Kepka? Well, he just wasn't able to get off to a very good start at all. I mean, he he shot 39 three over on his front nine, as you mentioned. The, the way he played the par threes just wasn't very good. Sam mentioned he had a really good shot in there for right at the flag, but he just misjudged that number, and that's a flag that you probably need to be going a little bit left of, sort of like Rom did. But in the fat part of the green, just had an easy two, but that's not a hole that you're really trying to make birdie on that hole, and then obviously wasn't able uh, to get up and down on, on number six. And so the first three par threes, he, he bogeyed every single one of them, was able to make the birdie on 16, as you alluded to. But, yeah, just didn't have anything going. And, I mean, whenever you're – leading the Masters, the last thing you can do is just make an abundance of bogeys, and he made six bogeys on the day, guys. That's one bogey every three holes. It's going to be nearly impossible to make enough birdies to make up for that when someone, uh, the caliber of John Rahm is playing as good as he was. So, yeah, just just a few too many mistakes today from Kepka. It seemed like he lost over two shots around the green, so and I think a lot of that can really be attributed to the iron shots he was hitting. He was kind of leaving them and not necessarily the most advantageous spots, so uh, I think that was really uh, Kepka's kryptonite this afternoon, but uh, definitely played some really good golf uh, the first couple of rounds, too, like like we talked about so many times on our pre-show. He was hitting his irons so exceptionally well, gaining more than four shots approach at one point, and then the last couple of rounds just kind of lost that a little bit 
barely lost strokes uh, today, and he only hit 12 of the 18 greens in the first few rounds. He was getting a lot more than that. So just a little bit of rust starting to show from Kepka. I think that has more to do with just finally getting into competition. Uh, like as, as you mentioned, huh, man, it's been about four years since he had been up there. So still got, has to get his feet wet in that area a little bit. And uh, I don't think this is the last time Kepka is going to be contending for a major championship. And, and Woody, you could say that we should have seen this coming uh, with John Rahm today. And I give it up to my man, Matt Meyer, uh, who picked John Rahm uh, to win. Woody, now, did you pick Rahm, Woody? Who did, I, I can't remember. No, or you, no, I did do pretty good for me on picking. I had Patrick Reed, which was a guy I didn't like, but I picked him anyway. Well, uh, I had pick. Scotty Scheffler, and I had Kepka, and then I had Rory. Yeah. So, well, Scheffler, you know, I mean, I Scheffler finished tied for 10th, and, and uh, Patrick yeah. Reed... Uh, tied for fourth, aisle side, Rory second. But here's here's my point on Rom real quick, Woody, and I, and I want to get your thoughts on this because I told Matt Meyer, I remember the day is the day after Rom had opened with a 65 at Bay Hill. Okay, all right, and right. and at that point this year he had already had the wins at Maui, at La Quinta, at L.A. He had already tied for seventh in San Diego, uh, third in Phoenix. So he had a great run on the West Coast. And then he, he goes to Bay Hill and shoots a, a uh, 65 in the first round. And I'm, I'm saying if we don't have John Rahm as our pick to win the Masters, or at least, you know, top two or three, uh, you know, we're missing out. Well, then he shoots the two 76s in the second and third round at Bay Hill. He goes 76-76 in, in those two rounds. Ends up tie for 39th in that tournament. And then he shoots the 71, and what was it, like an illness, guys, where he WDs after the first round of the players. And so he had the two 76s at Bay Hill. He, he, he had the WD at the players. Then he goes to the match play, loses to Ricky Fowler 2-1 and one in, the first ra- uh, in the first round. That's that's no embarrassment. But he also lost to Billy Horschel 5-4 and four in the third round. So he had two losses in his three matches in the match play. And, and he was having trouble with the driver. So it just seemed like his current form was not that good, Witty. And, and then for him to find it this week and play like he was when he was winning three times early in the year, uh, you got to give him credit for that. Well, and we've said this so many times on these podcasts and our shows. You never know. You just don't know. We know the talent is there. He's got more talent than probably anybody on the tour. But when we see it going awry with his driver as bad as it was, how's he going to find it? But darned if he didn't. But, Craig, I was going to ask you and Sam this question because watching it on TV today, uh, you know, Sam said Kepka looks pretty, pretty good with his iron or his swing. I thought his swing looked a lot different today than what I saw the first two days, okay? I didn't see the same positions, uh, especially with his irons. It looked like, to me, he was getting on top of the golf ball a little bit more. He didn't look like the club was shallowing as good as it did the first two rounds. He was spot on those first two rounds. And my question is, guys, did it not look that way to you all? Because you're there in person, but he hit some really what I'd call suspect irons uh, for a guy that's leading the golf tournament going into that day. Hey, Sam, talk about this real quick, and, and then we'll take an opening timeout. But Sam and I were right behind him on the range. All right, we watched his whole warm-up today. And, Woody, it was a right-to-left wind on the range today. Right. And he came out, and he... And, and Sam said he looks like he's trying to cut it back into the wind, but it looked like to me, you know, he hit about a half dozen straight pulls. It looked like to me, yep, so, I right. mean, it, it looked like they were, were you know, <clears throat> well left of the target. 
and, and and I think Sam's right. Maybe trying to cut it back, but I don't know if that's screwed him up. But Sam, what what do you see on the range, and then compare it to the round, Sam? Well, that's exactly right, Deb. We were right behind him. We watched his full warm up, and these were from nine irons. I think he was hitting some nine irons, then some maybe six irons, then he was hitting a few like three irons out there, and then hit the driving iron. Um, but yeah, the, on the like 150 yard shots he was hitting on the range, there was a significant right to left wind. Um, obviously, this is on the range in between uh, the two rounds. This was not his first range this session. Was He'd the already. Round. Right. Yes, this is before the final round. And, yeah, you're exactly right. Every single iron shot that he hit from about 150 yards out I, looked like he was trying to cut it back into the wind and looked like, yeah, Woody, that's a great point. And I wasn't able to get right behind him, but he was kind of starting everything left with a little bit of a pull. And it makes sense that you saw on TV that he was getting on top of it a little bit more than he wanted to, um, not allowing that ball to kind of fade back towards the flagstick. He hit the same shot on number nine. Um, uh, with a short iron. He hit the same shot on number 12 with the short iron. Just little pull kills here and there. Um, and then when you don't drive it necessarily great on the day, you put himself in some bad positions, you get it, you end up having a day where you never really gave yourself any birdie chances to put some pressure back on Rom after Rom had just been hitting every single shot. He didn't do anything special. Rom didn't. But neither did Brooks Kepka. Brooks never gave himself those 15-footers up the hill for, for birdie. Every time he even had a birdie look, it seemed like, I mean, he had the birdie look at 13, the birdie look at 16, and he made both of those. I can't think of another, you know, birdie putt that he really should have made, guys. And then obviously the bad drives, whether it be at 8 uh, or at 14, guys, I, I, I think that... T-Dub was exactly right, saying the Iron Game was the reason why he lost this Masters. And Woody, you're right on the money, and, and I will corroborate your your uh, story there after watching his warm-up. Yeah, he was a little too far on top of it, and it just takes that much when you're going up against a guy like John Rahm. He was just barely off today, and I would I would have loved to see what would have happened if... You know, that ball gets over the bunker at four, but guess what? It didn't, and then he started pressing and started, yeah, just pulling a couple iron shots, nine and 12, and then all of a sudden you're cooked. And even go back to seven. I mean, he was just a little left of his target at seven and nine and so forth. Yeah. And it was a pull yeah. at number eight. Wasn't it a was yep. it a pull at one, Sam? I'm I'm it was a pull hook. Yeah, it's a pull yeah, hook, hook, and then he hit it up over the That's trees. That's what I'm saying. Pull yeah. hook on even with the driver on one and eight and so forth. So th does that match with what you're talking about, Woody? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. just he it, it just seemed like his transition, his tempo, and yeah. and granted, this might be a case, guys. And and even though you know, Craig, you're not on our podcast every time like we are. We're we're living fans, but I got to tell you guys, watching this. I don't think he had enough reps. If you look, if if you're going against John Rahm, who's already won three times on the PGA Tour this year, Bruce Kepp has played basically two live events and a couple of early in the year. I, I think that's going to come back to haunt these guys in a way, gentlemen. I I just I think you need to have more reps. You got to be in the. But on the other hand, Woody and, uh, uh, playing seventy-two holes I, I didn't just, bother Phil Mickelson or Patrick Reed. <laughs> I know, I know, but Phil Mickelson, so, Phil Mickelson won yeah. in the. Final group on the final round. He came out of nowhere. Yeah. No, you're right. Second. No, you're right. You're right. Uh, you know, right. Bill Mickelson. And, yeah, we need to take it. Yeah, let, let's okay. take a time out. We can come back and talk about it more. Good. We do want to say thanks to our sponsors, Golf USA, Interurban Restaurants, Buffalo Wild Wings on Northwest Expressway. 
and air comfort solutions and the ACS $69 AC tune-up will make sure your system is teed up, ready for the summer. Make the winning call in the OKC Metro. It's 405-721-3740. In the Tulsa area, 918-743-2300 or online at aircomfortsolutions.net. The guys from the 73rd hole with us, John Rahm, is your Masters champion for 2023. He wins it by four shots over Phil Mickelson and Brooks Kepka by five over Jordan Spieth. Patrick Reed and Russell Henley. More of our wrap-up coming up on The Sports Animal. WWLS The Sports Animal. Live from Augusta National with Craig Humphreys. Proudly sponsored by Air Comfort Solutions. Groove It Brush. The Inner Urban Restaurants. Golf USA and Buffalo Wild Wings on the Northwest Expressway. And welcome back to Augusta National. Happy Easter, everybody. And welcome back to our fourth round wrap-up show. Craig Humphreys here in Augusta, joined by the guys from the 73rd Hole. Sam is still in Augusta. Uh, Taylor has been down here this week. And Woody has been to Augusta probably a, a, probably a number of times, right, Woody? Or how, how many times? No, you know how many times I've been to Augusta? This is embarrassing. Once. Once. And, and you could come Once. every year if you wanted to. <laughs> I can't. I, I, because I'm a member of the PGA of America, I can get it tagged. Tag I got to play it when I was in college, Greg. That's the only time I've been to Augusta. I got to play it. And I always said, I'm not going back till I'm playing. So now I'm never going to have a shot at that. So I probably need to break down and go. <laughs> All right, hey, let's go. Let's go back and talk more about John Rahm. Uh, he he opened uh, with the sixty-five, was in a three-way tie for the lead after the first round. Followed that up with a sixty-nine in the second round. Ended up shooting a seventy-three in in round number three. And but that was, I mean, Sam, you were out there yesterday afternoon. <laughs> the conditions were among the worst that I've ever seen, and all, and I've been to to thirty-four out of the last thirty-six Masters. And it was about the worst that I can ever remember. And I just went out and walked the front nine today with Bev and Sam. And it is a beautiful, gorgeous, sunny day here in Augusta with temperature in the low 60s. Great weather to watch golf. I know the wind was definitely a factor today for the golfers. But, I mean, as far as watching golf, it was perfect conditions. But i got to say, it was as wet as I've ever seen it, where the spectators walk, where the patrons walk. Uh, today and Sam said, "Well, you should have seen it yesterday." Uh, but but Sam, anyway, talk about the conditions yesterday. Talk about John Rahm's round yesterday, because really, him hanging tough for that. I know he and Kepka each shot a seventy-three yesterday. Um, you know, to be in the final group with the pressure on them, uh, really, you know, that that was the round they just had to hang in there and not let anything terrible happen, right? No, there's no doubt about it. By the way, the conditions yesterday, how I would put them, is they were so bad that I wanted to leave Augusta National. Think about that, (laughs) that they were so bad that I wanted to leave the best place on earth. Um, But, yeah, but anyways, guys, let's let's go back to when the trees fell, right? I mean, after they called him off the course one time, brought him back, John Rahm is playing a couple groups behind Tiger Woods late in the day, and... Guys, there's no lightning in the area, but those trees fell over 17T, and that wind was picking up, and it was raining sideways. Now, I know the conditions were 
really, really hard on Saturday, but they would have been even tougher for John Rahm finishing out his round if those trees don't fall on 17 on Friday. And it just brings my mind back to Seve. I feel like Seve was with John Rahm even this morning. Let me take you back to the morning when they, they resume play. Remember John Rahm's drive on eight after the two-shot swing. John Rahm's drive on eight that bounced out of the bunker. That saved him a shot. The drive right on nine right after that that smoked a tree and kicked left allowed him uh, to get it up in the greenside bunker uh, and then draws it into 11 and somehow kicks straight. And then on 12, it comes out of the bush. Yes, in the final round, John Rahm was just absolutely rock solid. No luck involved. But to start the day, finishing up the third round, guys, he did have some fortunate breaks. And on Seve's birthday, Dad, I, I just have to think that he had something to do with that. I love the John Rahm-Spain connection. I love those Spaniards fire. And John Rahm, in my opinion, is the greatest to ever come from Spain. Hey, before we get to Victor Hovland, though, teed up, I do want to talk about where, where we need to give John Rahm credit among other things, is what he did when he came out this morning. Um, he had, what, nine feet for birdie. I think Kepka had 11, 12 feet uh, for par. Kepka misses. Rom makes. That was big right there. That was your two-shot swing and makes it a two-shot game instead of a four-shot game. But then he also made a sizable birdie putt at, at number eight and then another one at number nine. Those three putts to start this morning, seven, eight, and nine, I thought were key for setting the tone for John Rom teed up. I 100% agree. I think they absolutely were. And they allowed Ron to have a little bit of a cushion because, as we talked about earlier this morning, him and him and Kepka did not play the back nine this morning very well at all. They both shot uh, two over 38s. And so you would have expected maybe if Kepka could have gone out and shot a 35, he would have been able to put a little bit more pressure on, on Rom and get a, a higher lead than he even had. But Rom, other than that, was able to come out very rock solid. As we mentioned earlier, the, only the one bogey on nine today, and he gained strokes in every single category today as well. Gained a full shot off the tee, more two shots approach, and then gained a little bit of shots on the green and around the greens. And so he hit 14 of 18 greens today, hit 11 of 14 fairways. And on the week, guys, he only missed eight fairways the entire the entire week. He hit 85% of the fairways, hit 52 of 72 greens, which missing 20 greens is about what you see on average for a, uh, a guy that wins around Augusta. So, uh, I mean, just really, really rock-solid play from John Rahm. And, uh, he definitely got it got it figured out when it comes to in terms of of uh, off the tee because as we talked about numerous times leading up to it, he was just aiming too far left, hitting these big push fades, and it seemed like this morning also too he was hitting a lot of those uh, on that back nine this morning. He just kept hitting everything a little too far right. It seemed like the ball was moving a good twenty five thirty yards in the air, which is pretty severe. So uh, seemed like he was able to work that out a little bit. The drive that he hit on thirteen, a nice pretty high draw around there, was very very good to see, especially because he's working it the direction he's not really used to. So, uh, And, and what, what was most impressive about it is he did it when he needed to do it the most, which shows that he was able to trust it. And I completely agree with what Sam was saying. I think I do think Seve was on his side a little bit today. I will argue a little bit with what, with what Sam said about uh, Ron being the best for Spain. I think he could at some point, but at least at this point, I think Seve still has that crown. I think Ron would even admit that as well. Now, admit what, T-Dub? I'm sorry. That he's that, the greatest that, that, Spaniard that, of all that, time. That, oh, okay. I got you. I got that, you. I got you. Yeah. The greatest yeah. Spaniard, yes. Yeah, no, no question. No, I, I totally agree. Um, okay, uh, Woody, I want you to talk about Victor Hovland because Victor Hovland had a great opportunity today. And T-Dub, uh, first of all, T-Dub, talk about what happened at the Open Championship when when uh, Victor had the opportunity there. What 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 happened there? 
Yeah, he was in the final group with uh, Rory McIlroy, and everyone focuses on how Rory didn't have his best stuff that day. But Hovland shot, I believe I looked earlier, 74 in the final round, shot two over when everyone was talking about last year about how easy St. Andrews was playing. So, yeah, uh, I think that it was crucial for Hovland to see how he could have his experience since that was the last major championship that was played. And, unfortunately, Woody did come back with another 74, essentially the same thing we saw at St. Andrews. Yeah. So, Woody, what did you, know, you, you say from Victor today? Because I know you watch him play a, a lot out at Oak Tree National, watch him practice a lot. Yeah. To, uh, uh, extremely disappointed. Even though he tied for seventh in the golf tournament, still a great week. Oh, yeah. But that 39 on the yeah. front really hurt him. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, Craig, who he kind of reminds me of, and you can relate to this, these, these young pups can't really. Tom Watson... I don't know how many majors he blew before he finally broke through. And then when yeah, he broke through, no he, was, he was pretty tough. I, I get this Victor Hovland, doggone it. It just seems like he doesn't get all the best breaks. I'll tell you that. But he always has a couple of swings that really kill him. Uh, that front nine today, we talked about it. If you guys remember this morning before they went off, what would we, what all this say? That front nine is going to be critical. You, you don't have to light it up, but you mm-hmm. you have to get through it at par or one under. Well, who's right. the only guy that did it? Wrong. Uh, the others that were right there, uh, Kepka and, and Hoplin, both shoot three over. Well, now, Craig, you know this. You've watched all those Augusta tournaments and Masters. When you're behind the eight ball going to that back nine, it's tough. It, it makes you shoot at pins you probably shouldn't shoot at, and very rarely do you come out ahead. So, I still believe in Victor Hovland. This young man has got so much talent, guys. He will break through. He's going to break through. And when he does, it could be a floodgate for him. Kind of like what you guys talk about, Ron, winning many majors. I don't count him out. I'm just telling you, he's too good a player. And, Dad, and really, I do want to say one quick thing about yeah. him. It was one little mistake. That's how tough Augusta National is. You just can't be long on six, and then he ends up making right. double at six, goes from eight under to six under, and then he played decent coming down the stretch, played even par the rest of the way in, but it was that one little mistake that put him behind the eight ball. But really, uh, Woody's right. This was a case where this tournament was decided on the front nine today. Uh, Rom shoots the 35 Kepka shoots a 39 in, in the final round on, on the front nine. So, like we said, Rom and, uh, I mean, excuse me, uh, Kepka and Hovland shoot 39s. Rom had a 35, Phil had a 34, Spieth had a 33, Patrick Reed had a 34, Henley had a 34, Cameron Young a 33, um, uh, uh, Sahith uh, Thagala had the 33 on the front nine, even Scotty Scheffler had a 33. 33 really the scoring was better on the front nine this is i mean for a final round of, of the masters i thought we had really good scoring on the front nine except among the leaders except for kepka and hovland today and that's really where they where they blew themselves out of the tournament um guys let's also talk about jordan speed and and sam sam yeah, they're making the announcement that the bar is now open. Now, that's a, a, an annual announcement on Sunday night here in Augusta. Um, but, I love it. But, guys, I do, uh, before we take a timeout uh, real quick, I do want to talk about Jordan Spieth's round because when I look up at the scoreboard and I see Phil Mickelson is lighting it up today, and then I come in because, like I said, I was out there with Bev and Sam, and so I didn't get to see a lot of their rounds today. But then I see where, where Jordan Spieth just lights it up with a 33 on each nine. They say there are horses for courses. 
I mean, Mickelson, Spieth, just two of the guys that have a tremendous track record around here. Obviously, Ray Floyd, I mean, did it when he was 47 and 49, almost won Masters. Heck, Jack tied for six at age 58. Uh, but, but, but T-Dub, talk about the, the round that Jordan Spieth had today. It, it was pretty incredible, in all honesty. What I believe he made uh, nine birdies today. He had three bogeys in there, birdied a, or bogeyed four and six, uh, the two part threes on the front, and then did not hit a very good drive on 18 and made a, a bogey coming in. There, but the uh, birdied one and two out the stretch. Birdied five in there, which is extremely hard hole. Uh, birdied eight and nine and ten back to back. A nice little three hole stretch there. Then birdied 14, 15, and seventeen. And what's crazy about it too is that him and Phil were actually playing in the same group together. They shot a combined thirteen under, which is uh, very, very stellar there. So you see that a lot of times, right? Where guys can get into a group and they both feed off each other. And I think that's what uh, Phil and Speed did today. I just think that. Jordan just was starting the day uh, too far behind. Uh, the round that he had yesterday, shooting four over 76, uh, that I think really set him back a pretty decent mark. And so he played an exceptional day. He just unfortunately was a little too far back of Ron. But if he would have been able to part the last hole instead of bogey it, probably would have made him a decent amount more money because uh, tie two pays a little bit more than T4 does. No question about that. All right, we do need to take a timeout. Uh, we do need to say thanks to our sponsors, Golf USA, Interurban Restaurants, Buffalo Wild Wings on Northwest Expressway, Air Comfort Solutions, and our good friends at Groove It Brush. And um, we need to talk about interurban restaurants because they got locations all across Oklahoma. The Herb's 47 years and counting of great people, great food. Check them out this spring, including their interurban restaurant groups, Packard's American Kitchen in Midtown, delicious spring menu items, spectacular rooftop view, and one of OKC's best Saturday-Sunday brunches at the Herb, the interurban restaurant. Uh, Craig Humphreys here at Augusta National. John Rahm, your 2023 Masters winner, Phil Mickelson, Brooks Kepka, uh, tie for second. Four shots back. Jordan Spieth, Patrick Reed, Russell Henley, uh, tie for fourth. Five shots back. More from Augusta coming up on the Sports Animal. WWLS, the Sports Animal. Live from Augusta National with Craig Humphreys. Proudly sponsored by Air Comfort Solutions. Groove It Brush. The Interurban Restaurants. Golf USA and Buffalo Wild Wings on the Northwest Expressway. And welcome back to Augusta National. Craig Humphrey is reporting live for the Sports Animal, our fourth round wrap-up show joined by the guys from the 73rd Hole Podcast. If you're not listening to their podcast, you are missing out. If you love golf, listen to Taylor Williams, also Jim Woodward, Sam Humphreys, on a regular basis on the 73rd Hole. They, they won the award for the top podcast in a golf podcast in the country last year at the golf show in orlando they do a fantastic job uh so uh t-dub give us an idea what you got coming up on the 73rd hole by the way yeah we're going to be having a very huge uh, recap show coming up and just the next couple days we'll break down the entire field very similar to how we did for our preview show we'll break down all the players all their analytics stuff like that and then also, too, we'll get down, uh, get some of Sam's thoughts for being there for the days that he was, and also get my thoughts for the day I was there. And we'll, we'll kind of talk about uh, the experiences we had along there, some of the things that uh, maybe television doesn't do justice of and some of the holes. We'll deep dive into some of that. So be on the lookout for our big uh, major or Masters recap show coming up. Make sure to subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever uh, you get your podcasts at. Okay. Uh, i got to say, and we, Sam and I were talking during the break, and it was amazing, the crowd reaction. When I was out there today, I would have thought 
that John Rahm was the American because it seemed like about 80% for John Rahm, maybe 20% for Kepka. But I said maybe it's Kep- maybe it's because Kepka gave him nothing to cheer about because he shot a 39 on the front nine. Rahm shot a 35. But Sam, you were talking about the reaction of the crowd today when they when they would put one birdie up after another for Jordan Spieth <laughs> and Phil Mickelson, and the crowd was just going crazy. But they Phil got a very warm reception. We'll talk about it later. Maybe play some sound from Phil, but. Phil Phil came in to meet the media later this evening, and that was interesting. But but talk about what you saw uh, from the patrons, especially their reception uh, to two of the most popular guys over the years, two of the most popular guys here at Augusta National, Jordan Spieth and Phil Mickelson. Guys, there is nothing like being at Augusta National. No one has a phone. No one knows what the other guys are doing out on the golf course. Our eyes are glued to the the great leaderboards, the famous leaderboards they have out at Augusta. And all of a sudden, guys, and, and around, you know, when Phil Mickelson goes to about number 12, right? He, he makes birdie at 12, birdie at 13, birdie at 15, birdie at 17. And then when they posted, and I was standing um, on Amen Corner when they posted the the birdie for birdie at 18 for Phil Mickelson the crowd was going bananas but the great thing about it was Spieth was playing with Phil Mickelson so they just started posting birdie after birdie after birdie at the same time for Phil Mickelson and Jordan Spieth the crowd was loving it it, it was electric it's like you know what the fans look forward to when they're not watching the golf in between shots their eyes are glued to this leaderboard non-electronic leaderboard and they they literally pull three numbers back and you're just waiting to see what that next number they put up there's nothing like it in all of sports and the fans were loving phil mickelson and jordan speeth all day and then you mentioned rom and kepka yeah you're exactly right that it was about 80-20 on that front nine, everyone cheering for John Rahm. The thing is, though, I feel like it was because Brooks Kepka wasn't giving them anything to cheer about. He, Brooks did get massive cheers on 13 and at 16 when he made those birdies, but really that was the only time to cheer for Brooks Kepka all day. I did talk to a lot of people out there, uh, obviously no one having phones, so you kind of strike up conversations with more people than usual. And it seems like almost to a person that the fans out there today that were rooting for John Rahm were older. And everyone 30 and under that I talked to was rooting for Brooks Kepka. I don't know if, what to make of that, Dad, but that was the vibe out there at Augusta, that the younger crowd was rooting for Brooks and the older crowd was rooting for Rahm. Well, Woody, I think everyone can be happy as far as the tour politics. And when Phil was in, he got to ask a question, you know, about that. What was he here to represent the live players and this and that? And he said, basically, there's a time for the tour politics and so forth. And that, you know, the, the professional golf system that we have right now. But this, this is bigger than all of that. This is a major. This is the masters. And I applaud again Augusta National for allowing all the, the uh, former champions on the live tour to be here this week uh, for for keeping the qualifications the same yes golf needs to fix their world golf ranking there's a lot that has i mean it's not like everything is perfect after this week but 
it was it was a great feeling uh, to see Phil Mickelson, who was not even at this tournament a year ago, and he came back this year. This was his 30th Masters, the guy with three green jackets, with all the great history that he has on this golf course. It was great to see him back perform like he did with the 31 on the back nine to come into the media center uh, i i don't know it just seemed like there was a lot of good feelings out there woody i you know you guys were there and i'm so glad to hear you saying that because on tv it's hard to tell you can't hear that roar like you can when you're in person and to, to say that we can all get along we can we need to uh, the Golf is not broken. Golf is better than it's ever been. But we need to make sure that these guys get a chance to keep playing in the majors for sure, gentlemen. Look at how good they finished this week. Uh, I, I, you can't, you can't backdrop these guys out of majors. It's just not the right thing to do. We got to figure it out. But I am so happy, especially what you're saying, Craig, that when Phil went to the media center, he was a true professional. He said, look, this is about Augusta. This isn't about politics. Let's talk about the golf tournament. Good for him. Yeah, no, no question. Uh, T-Dub, let's look at some other names on the leaderboard today. We, we talked about Jordan Spieth and, and his round. I mean, 33-33, uh, 66 today. But also... Patrick Reed with a nice 68. He had 34 on each nine today. Russell Henley, who has a sneaky good record here, and, and, and a guy who doesn't hit it that far. I mean, you wouldn't think he would have a great track record here at Augusta National, but he had his best finish ever here uh, with the tie. He was in that tie for fourth with Jordan Spieth and Patrick Reed today. Uh, but but talk about a few of those guys. Also, Cameron Young, and you guys talk about a lot about Cameron Young on your podcast. But uh, to me, he is one streaky golfer, and when he gets it going, he can be like the Fred Couples of old. Uh, but he also had a 68 today teed up. So what about some of those guys that were off the radar today? What what'd you see there? Yeah, we, we talked about Spieth earlier in the great round that he played, and uh, if he just could have made a few less bogeys, he would have been able to, to jump up and maybe make a little bit more contention. Patrick Reed, who I don't think anyone was rooting for at all, had a very, very stellar round going through the stretches of holes three through 13. He made, what was that, six birdies there? So, uh, And he actually made a double on, on number two, so it looked like that he was uh, not going to be off to a very good start at all, but played six under the rest of his round after that. So so kudos to him. He definitely knows how to get it around Augusta. One of Woody's picks, I believe, was Patrick Reed, so very Way nicely go, uh, done there. Russell Henley as well, who who younger in his career, he was kind of like this, where he was a good putter, not a very good ball striker. But over the last couple of years, he's normally known for hitting his irons really well and not putting very well. But this week, he he, he was pretty much neutral in strokes gained off the tee and approach and uh, gained more than, than a full shot around the greens and putting. So he definitely went around those Augusta greens well. He led the field in driving accuracy, only missed six fairways all re- week. Russell Henley did so some really good. Uh, play there. So he Gallas shot to a five under in the final round, kind of came out of nowhere there, had a, had a Tiger-esque uh, chip in when it came to 16 over there, left of the green, headed up on the slope and brought it on. So that was good. Didn't make a very good bogey on 17 or could have made a little bit more money coming in. So it was good to see him. I think he's the guy who is always going to be around and, and be contending uh, for for majors over the next uh, decade or so for sure. And then Cameron Young, uh, Hunt, man, just like just like you had mentioned, he, he's just so good off of the tee box. That he's going to contend at the hardest golf courses because he's going to put himself in positions that other people don't hit it. And he gained a full shot putting this week as well. So you see that and you think, man, Cam Young's got a great chance to win. But uh, really didn't hit his irons very well. It was about neutral. Him and Russell Henley were about the same in irons. And uh, at the WGC match play, Cameron Young was by far 
leading the field in strokes gained approach. So if he could have hit a few more irons better, he would have had a good chance, but uh, kind of shot himself out of it with a 75 in the third round. His 68 today did vault him up, make him some more money. But that was just sort of like Jordan Spieth was, just a little bit too far behind to start the day to really make too much of a serious move. Okay, we're going to let Woody go. Woody, we appreciate you so much as always. Jim Woodward has joined us for years on our Masters uh, coverage on the weekend, both Saturday and Sunday, on our wrap-up shows. And, and Woody, it is always great to be with you. Uh, Woody, do you have any final thoughts for us? You know, my final thoughts were this, that you and your lovely wife and Sam got to spend this Easter weekend there. After you guys told me she was with you, I don't even care who won the golf tournament. I am so happy for you all that you got to spend that weekend together. God love you. Uh, well, thank you, Woody. I'm going to have a hard time talking now. But, but no, hey, we really, but Woody, you, Woody. we really, really appreciate you uh, so much. And, and Jim Woodward uh, really has been a great, and I mean great, addition to the 73rd Hole podcast. If you do not tune in and hear Woody's entertaining stories, you are missing out. Uh, so tune in, and Woody, keep up the good work on the 73rd Hole, and we always appreciate you being with us on the Sports Animal. Thank you, guys. Safe flights home. All right. Uh, the great Jim Woodward, teaching pro at Oak Tree National, former PGA Tour pro. Uh, he is great. Uh, very knowledgeable, uh, great instruction, and also always entertaining. Uh, we do want to say thanks to our sponsors, Golf USA, Interurban Restaurants, Buffalo Wild Wings, on Northwest Expressway, and Air Comfort Solutions. Also, our good friends at Groovit Brush. And uh, we really appreciate this new partnership. A lot of the other ones, uh, well, all the other ones, Golf USA, Interurban, Buffalo Wild Wings, Air Comfort Solutions, longtime partners of the sports animal. But Groovit Brush, quite possibly the finest golf club cleaner ever made, introducing Groovit Brush, either the wet, or the Mini G, which is the dry brush, it simply attaches to the golf bag via a very strong magnet, features very stout nylon bristles that will not scratch the club face or hang up in your towel, and it comes with a three-year guarantee. So hit them straight, keep them clean with Groovit Brush. Uh, visit GrooveItBrush.com, the wet club scrub. I tell you, uh, Sam, we, we saw uh, Justin Thomas out here. He had one attached to his belt clip, uh, uh, clipped onto his uh, belt loop uh, this week. But he had a groove at brush. The girls, it seemed like almost every girl in the women's am uh, last weekend had a groove at brush. If you haven't checked it out, you need to visit grooveitbrush.com. More with Sam Humphreys and Taylor Williams coming up. We'll also uh, try to get in some sound from John Rahm, maybe even Kepka and Phil before we get out of here. More coming up from Augusta National and Sports Animal. WWLS The Sports Animal, live from Augusta National with Craig Humphreys. Proudly sponsored by Air Comfort Solutions, Groove It Brush, the Interurban Restaurants, Golf USA, and Buffalo Wild Wings on the Northwest Expressway. Craig Humphreys reporting live for The Sports Animal, our fourth round wrap-up show Joined by the guys from the 73rd hole, Taylor Williams and Sam Humphreys. And guys, uh, let's hear from our 2023 Masters champion, John Rahm. Hard to hard to put it into words. Um, obviously, we all dream of things like this as players, and you try to visualize what it's going to be like and, and what it's going to feel like. And uh, 
When I hit that third shot on the green, and I could tell it was it was close by the crowd's reaction, uh, just the wave of emotion of so many things just overtook me. Uh, never thought I was going to cry by winning a golf tournament, but I got very close on on that 18th hole, um, and a lot of it because of of what it means to me and and to Spanish golf. Right, it's, it's Spain's 10th major for a player to win the Masters, fourth and. Uh, my second win, right? My second major win. It's it's pretty incredible, and and to play the way I did today on on Sunday, uh, only one bogey. You know, on difficult conditions and coming in with a margin, hard to explain. You know, a lot a lot of pride, and I'm really proud of myself from what I did, um, and still really hasn't sinked in yet. And I'm looking at this course, and I'm still thinking I have a couple more holes left to to win, and. Uh, can't really say anything else. You know, this one was for Seve. I know he he was up there helping, and help he did. Thank you. We'll go. And and that is some great stuff from John Rahm. Uh, he wins it on the 40th, not the 40th anniversary, the exact date, but 40 years, 40th anniversary of uh, Seve's win in 1983. He did win it on Seve's birthday, April the 9th, uh, and obviously uh, Seve was a two-time winner here in '80 80 and '83. Jose Maria Olathabal, the two-time winner in 94 and 99. And now John Rahm wins his second major, his first green jacket. And I do think it, it could be the first of many green jackets. He, he had a good record here, right, guys? I mean, this is his seventh Masters. So on his first six Masters, he had four top tens and no missed cuts. Was fourth here back in 2018. But now put this one with his 2021 U.S. Open and he's got two majors, and he's got a, a T-dub. He's got a great record in majors. I mean, coming in, he had six top fives, nine top tens. So this now gives him ten top tens, seven top fives in majors. And we'll move back to number one in the world. Not bad for a 28-year-old from Spain. No, it's not bad whatsoever. I mean, you just talk about his record. He has one at one at Torrey 2021 U.S. Open. It has uh, finished two-thirds at the 2019 U.S. Open and then the Open Championship in 2021 and then has uh, three other top fives in there as well. So, I mean, he just has a game that's just absolutely tailor-made to be major championships. I mean, he just can play at every single golf course, just especially with how well it's off team, how good his irons are. And the main thing that's been really good with Ramos, he's taken his putting to a whole new level. This year he's by far the highest that he's been in strokes game putting as well. So just every aspect of his game is going. Seems like that they did have the little blip in his – in what well, – really was the only reason that not a lot of people were picking him to win the Masters coming in with these last three tournaments, the Arnold Palmer, the uh, withdrawal at the players, and then not playing very well at the match play. Kind of diluted from the fact that he was on one of the most uh, legendary runs that we've seen any player ever play. I mean, I think it's a, a top ten stretch analytically of all time going all the way back to at least 1995, so that's over the last 30 years. So, I mean, he just was on a magical tear just for whatever reason this last month just wasn't very, very ideal, but he's got to figure it out. And uh, I think the question now is, it's not just, is this going to be his last major? It's going to be, how many majors is he going to win? And uh, I think that answer is going to be quite a bit. And this is one that we've seen coming for a long time, Sam. I mean, now gives him 11 PGA Tour wins. Uh, but also, as an amateur, all right, he was the number one amateur in the world. In fact, number one am for a total of 60 weeks, which, which was a record. And obviously, as we said, played his college golf at, at Arizona State for Tim Mickelson, uh, Phil's brother. But th- this is this is not one that, you know, um, some guy that just burst onto the scene. We've seen this coming from a long time, not just as a professional, but back to his amateur days, right? 
Oh, there's no doubt about it. And guys, Tita brings up a great point in how many majors John Rahm is going to win. I'm wondering first, how many tournaments is this guy going to win? He's won six times now since the Tour Championship. The guy is the most talented player in the world. By the way, it was cool to hear him talk right there about Seve. He did have his ode to Seve earlier on this week, talking about his four putts, saying, I miss, I miss, I miss, I make, right? <laughs> and so that was pretty good stuff for John Rahm to throw in a four putt in there while winning the Masters, just to give a little more ode uh, to Seve. But no, Dad, you're exactly right. He's been the best at every single level. The things he did at Arizona State were unmatched, like you said. Then he comes on to the tour, and all of this talent you know he just had to rein it in a little bit with the attitude right i mean he just has such a fiery attitude but he doesn't let it get the best of him anymore he he does get upset with himself but he doesn't let it hinder his play like he did when he first popped onto the tour but guys this year john rom is hitting the irons better than he's hit him in his entire PGA Tour career, gaining a full shot strokes gained approach um, so far in 2023. To put that in perspective, when he had the great 2021, he only was gaining 0.8 shots strokes gained approach. And so, uh, guys, I mean, look out. If you're on the PGA Tour, look out because you have to deal not only with John Rahm, but with Scotty Scheffler and with Rory McIlroy. I don't think Rory McIlroy is done. Yes, I do like to make the joke that, yeah, Phil Mickelson beat Rory McIlroy by nine um, this week. But Rory has shown me some solid things leading into this Masters. So you still have that big three playing well. Um, and I went based off recent form before the golf tournament. I said that Rory's recent form headed into this Masters was better than Scheffler or Rom, but Rom reminded, like I said at the beginning of the show, Rom reminded the golf world this week that he is the best player in the world and no one can beat him when he's on top of his game. All right, guys. Well, I had some terrible picks this week because I, I picked uh, Jason Day. Definitely uh, was one of my top picks. Also, Dustin Johnson was my dark horse since he was ranked number 69 in the world and had to be out of the top 25. So I, I had him as my dark horse, and I had Rory as my number two pick. Now, my pick to win the tournament, Xander Shoffley, saved me a little bit. At least he had a top 10 finish. I mean, tied for 10th. Uh, but T-Dub, as you look down this leaderboard, and uh, a lot of different storylines. Just uh, talk about whatever comes to mind. But Scotty Scheffler as the defending champ ties for tenth. Matthew Fitz, uh, Fitzpatrick, uh, U.S. Open champ, tied for tenth. My man Xander Shoffley still looking for that first major, tied for tenth. Morikawa was also in that group, uh, tied for ten. We had Patrick Cantlay with a T14 T-Dub. He just seems like too good a player not to win a major, but. You can talk about that, uh, why he's not doing more. And then two other storylines, T-Dub, uh, Sam Bennett opened with the 268s, closed with a 76-74. He finished T-16. He needed to be tied for 12th or better to get the invitation back uh, for next year. So I, I hate that uh, for Sam Bennett that, I mean, he finished really two shots back of what he would have needed uh, to be in the top 12 because one shot better would have put him in a tie for 14th with Woodland and Cantlay. But still, 
uh, special weekend for him. Uh, and um, and then you can get Joaquin to the Oklahoma Neiman guys. Joaquin Neiman as well so, with the guys. Yeah, Joaquin Neiman. I, I, I meant to mention 12. that, Sam. Yeah. yeah, top 16. Joaquin Neiman also just missed by a couple of shots. He, he was up there uh, going into the weekend with the 71-69, but only 74-72, two over par uh, for the weekend. But T-Dub, uh, talk about some of those storylines. Yeah, so the, the first one you talked about that really came to mind was Scotty Scheffler, who was a, a, a big pick for a lot of people going into this tournament. He actually led the tournament by, by a decent margin in strokes gained approach and gained a full shot to D. He was hitting this ball exceptionally well. But but through the first, uh, at least through the first two days, and I think even through the first three, he was uh, dead last in, in strokes gained putting. So, I mean, his putter has just been horrible, and that's something that we even saw back going back to the match play tournament, where if not for uh, Scotty missing a three-foot putt, on extra old Sam Burns would not have won that tournament. So, yeah, that putter is definitely something we have to watch out for going forward. And then also, too, Hunt, man, I mean, you talked about uh, Xander and Cantley, two guys there who are still, in my opinion, the two best players currently who do not have major championships, and you kind of just keep ticking off the box with those two, and you're like, okay, well, when is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? You know, we got to think one of these guys is going to break through eventually. I think they both have a great chance at uh, when the U.S. opens at L.A. Country Club, both of, both of those guys being – from California, so that'd be something. But once again, just both of them not having their best stuff, especially on the weekend. Cantley shooting his uh, his uh, three over round today when he was in fourth place at six under could have easily gone out and made a little bit of a move, but uh, really st- really stumbled coming out and bogey in three of his first five holes, and then had a very lackluster back nine shooting three over thirty nine as well. So, but the, and then Sam Bennett too, as as you're alluding to, shooting uh, finishing t sixteen, need to finish at five under uh, to. Finishing that group of, uh, would have been tied 10th. Instead, he finished down at uh, T14. So, uh, yeah, needed uh, – could have still done a little bit better. Or I guess uh, he finished T16, my apologies. So, yeah, still needed those two shots. Shot uh, two over today. Shot six over on the weekend. So, uh, not nothing to uh, to be extremely disappointed about. Uh, Bennett gained more than a full shot approach to green. So, definitely a really solid iron player. And he's got a very, very bright future ahead of him. I think the only thing he, he really needs to worry about, guys, is uh, the fact that he has a very Joaquin Neiman-esque swing and can put a lot of uh, pressure on his back. So maybe that's something that we'll have to watch out for in the coming years. But other than that, maybe some injury concerns. I think Bennett has a very, very, very promising career ahead of him. Okay, the other thing I wanted to talk about, guys, is I love the way they set up this golf course Sunday in Augusta, Sunday at the Masters. That They invite low scores, all right? But it's interesting. I know we we had the the northeast wind and 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 it was gusting up to twenty five miles an hour or more, and so I, that was maybe a factor. But I thought it was interesting today, guys, that we only had six rounds in the sixties. So it seems like they that everyone was just lighting this place up today with Phil and Spieth and all this, you know, Patrick Reed. But really, there were only six rounds in the 60s today at Augusta National. So, Sam, you were out there. Talk about that, uh, what, what you saw. Uh, are you surprised at that? Because we had, we, we're spending a lot of time talking about the low rounds. Obviously, that's what we should do. But there were a number of high rounds today. I mean, you know, and, and I hate it that, like, you know, Taylor Taylor Moore, one of the Oklahoma guys, uh, Taylor finished with a 78 today after, I mean, he'd gone 73, 72 to make the cut, 70 yesterday, really in good position going into the weekend. But Taylor had a 78. Taylor Gooch had a, a, a 73. But, but no, but Jason Day, here's the guy that stands out to me. One of my picks, guys, he was nine under par through 14 holes of the second round. Nine under. 
through 14. And, and you know, just to remind people that, that uh, John Rahm wins this golf tournament at 12 under par. Nine under, I mean, if he could have just shot even par golf from there on in, he would have been second place in this Masters. But, guys, it's just baffling to me that someone can be nine under par with four holes to go in the second round. He ends up going four over on those final four holes. And then he ends up the golf tournament at eight over. He goes 17 over par from the time that he was nine under with four holes left in the second round. That's just crazy. No, it really is. And I feel like the reason why you didn't see a whole bunch of low scores today was not just because of the wind. It was because of the direction of the wind. If you go through some of the holes on this golf course, what makes five even harder than it already is a left to right wind that's what you had there seven it was dead into the wind you had holes on, like number eight it guys couldn't get it past that bunker really far up there to hit great second shots into eight and then we get to the back nine um guys i mean 14 obviously plays extremely tough in a left to right wind and then 17 and 18 were playing dead into the wind and so guys i mean I think that not only the heavy wind, the high winds, you know, 15 to 20 miles per hour, um, but it was the direction of the wind. Yes, certain shots like on 13 played downwind, but I'm not so sure that 12 playing downwind necessarily uh, makes it any easier. I feel like guys were going over that green all day. And then even holes that played tough today, like number six, we saw a bunch of guys over that green. The reason why we saw guys make that crucial mistake, guys know they can't miss long of six they were expecting the wind to kind of knock those shots down um, and it wasn't doing it for whatever reason i think the direction of the wind really messed with these guys deb but t-dub i mean victor hovland with a 74 today you look down through here matsuyama he was in position uh, to make a run up the leaderboard he had a 75 today uh, you look further down terrell hatton talented player with a 76 fleetwood had 74 cam smith cam smith guys shot two 75s on the weekend after he opened 70 72 cam smith 75 75 on the weekend uh, abe answer played his college golf at ou 76 today we mentioned jason day with the 80 max homa one of the top players on the pga tour 78 today you know sep straka 78 seamus power thomas peters couple of 77s schwartzel former champ with a 77 fred couples who became the oldest ever to make the cut at age 63 he had two 76s on the weekend billy horschel goes 74 79 on the weekend keith mitchell goes 77 79 on the weekend teed up so uh, they, these conditions were uh, pretty tough overall and that's what makes what john rom and mickelson and kepka and spieth reed did i mean they played some special golf just to be as far under par as they were i mean just the degree of difficulty of almost every single shot that you're demanded on that golf course with these conditions it's just insurmountable it truly is and like you mentioned for rom to be able to come out and just be as steady as he was especially after not having his best stuff on the final nine holes this morning to come out and go four birdies one bogey just shows that the, the mental toughness as well because Earlier before the segment, everyone was making us some great points about how a few years ago, I don't think he would have been able to do this. I mean, he doubled his first hole of the tournament, which I don't know if anyone's ever been able to double the first hole of the Masters and being able uh, to end up winning, especially by four shots. That's pretty crazy. But, yeah, it just the course played so difficult, I mean, as it always does. but uh, And also, too, uh, man, to, to go to Sam's point earlier about, about 12 and being downwind and not playing any easier – 
12 actually played as the hardest hole today. There were only two birdies there all day, and then there were uh, there were 16 scores of either bogey or worse. So uh, not very often that it, a 12 always plays as a hard hole, but it usually never plays as the hardest hole of the day. And it was like ironic to see that it was downwind and uh, it still plays hard because I think, as Sam was saying, a lot of people were hitting it long on that hole, thinking that the one to make sure they didn't come up short and the wind was just hitting their ball and they're going long. I mean, all you have to do is be about six or seven yards long of where you want to be and you're up in those uh, in those bushes like Scotty Scheffler was having a drop. So, uh, so yeah, just because you're downwind doesn't necessarily mean it makes the hole any easier. All right, uh, let's do this. Let's go ahead and take a timeout, and then we'll get uh, some sound queued up and get uh, some thoughts from the runners-up, uh, Phil Mickelson and Brooks Kepka. We've, we might hear a little more from John Rahm, uh, but we'll take time and do that. The guys from the 73rd hole, Taylor Williams, Sam Humphreys, and guys, I want to thank you. You guys have done a great job all week long. You've let us barge in on, on your Sunday show, your Sunday radio show. If you're not listening to that, you need to. Uh, the guys from the 73rd hole every Sunday morning, 10 until noon, two full hours with Taylor Williams, Jim Woodward, and Sam Humphreys. And also, we want to say thanks to all of our sponsors, Golf USA, Interurban Restaurants, uh, Buffalo Wild Wings on Northwest Expressway, Ed Lynn's Place, Air Comfort Solutions, and the great people at Groove It Brush. And uh, Sam, you, you've seen the guys from Golf USA down here this weekend, Brad Bowen, Jeremiah Seymour, David Webb, uh, Marty Head holding court at number 12 T-Box. These are great, great guys, and they've been helping Oklahoma golfers for over 35 years. They were named as a top 100 club fitter in America. The Golf USA team is here on the grounds in Augusta all week, but back in OKC, they are ready to serve all your golfing needs at 14040 Joel McDonald Drive. Just go to 140th and North May, just east of May, just west of Quail Springs Mall, where fitting is still free. Golf USA. More with Taylor Williams and Sam Humphreys coming up. Craig Humphreys here at Augusta National. John Rahm, your 2023 Masters champion. We're coming right back on the Sports Animal. WWLS, the Sports Animal. Live from Augusta National with Craig Humphreys. Proudly sponsored by Air Comfort Solutions, Groove It Brush, the Inner Urban Restaurants, Golf USA, and Buffalo Wild Wings on the Northwest Expressway. And welcome back to Augusta National. Craig Humphreys reporting live for the Sports Animal. Joined by the guys from the 73rd hole, Taylor Williams and Sam Humphreys. Earlier we heard from Jim Woodward. And guys, one of the great stories today, the play of the 52-year-old Phil Mickelson. And Phil just lit it up on the back nine here at Augusta National, shooting a 31 coming in. Just an amazing finish uh, for Phil Mickelson. He started the day at one under par, had a birdie at number two, gave it back with a bogey at five, uh, then had back-to-back birdies at six and seven to make the turn with a 34, two under par, uh, 34 on the front. Got his pars at 10 and 11, and then he went to work starting at number 12 with birdies, back-to-back birdies at 12 and 13, then another one at 15, and then back-to-back again at 17 and 18 to shoot a five under par 31 on the second nine. He finishes at eight under par, ties for second in the golf tournament with Brooks Kepka. Four shots back of the winner, John Rahm and Phil met the media afterward. Well, thank you. It was a fu- it was a fun day, and you just never know what what could happen. There was nine holes left to go when I walked off the golf course. I was two behind, and and John played an amazing back nine. I mean, a lot can happen on that back nine. A lot of good can happen, a lot of bad, and he played some incredible golf all, all week long and, and uh, is a very worthy champion. He's 
easy to see why he's regarded as the best player in the world, and, and uh, he validated that today. John. Well, I think, was it in the last 24 hours? You said, there's a 65 in me. You were playing well. Um, it, I, this was one of them. Is there more to come? I, I'm hopeful that that's the case. I feel like uh, it was it was evident to me that I was hitting a lot of good shots, that I was playing well. I wasn't getting the score out of it. Today was a great day for me to stay present and uh, just keep hitting good <laughs> shots, even after I, I might have uh, had a uh, mess up here or there. I was able to stay present, keep hitting good shots, and, and I'm hopeful that this kind of catapults me into playing the rest of the year the way I believe I'm playing. I really worked hard in the offseason to get ready. I've been shooting some really low scores at home, and uh, today I kind of let it happen rather than trying to force it, and I had a really good day and, and, um, and made some noise. Unfortunately, it wasn't enough, but it was really a lot of fun for me to, to play at this level again, and it's encouraging for me uh, going forward the rest of the year. Mark. Phil, what did you learn about yourself this week and, and just being back at Augusta National, a place that is special to you? How much did that help you get back in groove? <laughs> I think it's uh, not so much what I learned, but I, I certainly have a lot of gratitude to be able to be here and be a part of this tournament, play well, play good golf, and try to take advantage of a unique opportunity that I have, which is to play golf at a very high level at a later stage in life, given that I haven't had any uh, physical injuries, that I'm able to swing the club the way I want to, and then... Uh, with a little bit of work and dedication to compete against some of the best players in the world um, in some of the biggest stages. And, and that's really what's driving me. And uh, today was a, a very encouraging day. Chris? Well, you talked before about being super present and focused this week. I'm wondering um, why you haven't felt that way in a while and if you could pinpoint the last time you did. Um. I, I don't know. It's been a while since I have uh, been able to, uh, you know, focus the way I want to. I, obviously, Kiowa was a, a good week, but um, I mean consistently, you know, week in and week out, day in and day out. And it's starting to come. A lot of it uh, is just things that I need to do off the golf course, too, you know, diet, exercise, and so forth, and to help with uh, brain function and things like that. But, um, uh, you know, I've additives and coffee is a big thing for me i don't think things i eat on the golf course are a big thing like all those things factor in and um my brother did a great job on the bag this week when my focus was kind of waning he would tell me some stories tell me some some dad jokes and just <clears throat> kind of got me uh refocused and more present and again i think that's a big biggest challenge for me lately because i feel like i'm executing uh, a lot of shots but i just need to be a little bit more present and that was Phil Mickelson after his round today at age 52. He ties for second here at Augusta National, four shots behind John Rahm. Uh, guys, talk about Phil. Give your thoughts on him, and I'll queue up uh, some Brooks uh, Kepka. Yeah, I mean, Phil well, Mickelson. Go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead No, go ahead, Sam. I was just going to say, I mean, yeah, Phil Mickelson, T-Dub, I don't think anybody really expected this. No prior uh, recent form shown whatsoever uh, from Mickelson coming into this golf tournament. But like my dad said earlier, he knows his way around this golf course. And no one played 12 through 18 better than Phil Mickelson today. Um, and T-Dub, I mean... Golly, the guy still has it, and I think it's because of that long, flowing swing. It is similar to Freddie. I think that those long, flowing swings 
will be, you know, and they and they have historically uh, been more successful uh, for guys once they get into their 50s and even 60s uh, like Freddie uh, T-Dub. But, yeah, I don't think we're done seeing Phil Mickelson, uh, you know, contend or at least compete at major championships. I, I can't believe I'm saying that at the end of this week, but I am T-Dub. He did a lot of great things this week at Augusta National. I mean, if he can contend at the Masters with the form that he had coming in in this tournament, I mean, I think that he can contend at any point at Augusta National just because, I mean, as a man tried to sell us on, I just was not buying it, just how well he knows this golf course. And he was just able to navigate it so well. And, and what was also very encouraging to see was he gained over four-and-a-half shots approach today. So, I mean, his swing was just exceptional. And I mentioned he was losing strokes gain around the greens for the week, but uh, he actually gained uh, over a shot and a half around the greens today chipping. So, I mean, that was a really good thing to see. Gained over a, a shot on the field when it comes to driving accuracy. He hit 12 of the 14 fairways today, hit 16 of the 18 greens. So, absolutely had his swing dialed in when he felt like he needed the most. And really the most encouraging thing, honestly, guys, out of all of it, you can hear it in the press conference, was just how much more positive and encouraging that he sounds. Really since he even came back after all the stuff that happened last year, he just sounded so deflated almost every time that he talks, and it's been sad to see. And uh, now that we see a little bit of a promising game come in, I, I think that he's going to see a little bit more positivity. I'm actually very excited to see the next Live Tournament, uh, see exactly how he does there, because uh, see if this was just an Augusta uh, fluke type thing when it comes to how well he'll do in his future. But uh, but also, too, I think Sam's exactly right when it comes to the low-flowing swings. you got guys like Freddie, you got guys like VJ who have been able to play very long into the careers with that long swing, even Tom Watson to an extent. I had a longer swing. So, yeah, I don't think Phil's done by any charge, which is crazy because just uh, just less than probably four days ago, I, I, I thought that he was done. I thought that he never really had a chance to contend again. But uh, it's really good to see because, uh, unfortunately, it looks like Tiger may not have as many opportunities to contend as we would like. So uh, out of those two, you need at least one of them still there. I think it's exceptionally great and something that the game of golf doesn't necessarily need at this point because it's so healthy, but it's still really good for it. And having Phil playing good golf is uh, is just a beautiful thing to see. Well, another one of the great things that we've seen this week, outside of the return of Mickelson, we also had the return of Brooks Kepka. Here's a guy who won four majors, and, and basically in a two-year period. I mean, the U.S. Open back-to-back in 17 and 18, the PGA back-to-back in 18 and 19, four majors. He's in his eighth Masters, had a pretty good track record here. I mean, top 15 and three out of his last five Masters coming in and had the tie for second, one shot behind Tiger in, in 2019, but we really have haven't seen him contend in a major for a while, most of it injury-related. Uh, he had a great week this week, opened with a 65-67, didn't finish it off the way he wanted to, obviously, today with the three-over par, 75 to close it out, still tied for second in the golf tournament, and he talked to the media after his round. Yeah, obviously, it's, it's super disappointing, right? Um, didn't play didn't play good enough to win. Um Hit some shots where I also didn't feel like I got some good breaks. I mean, for that ball to sit there on nine, um, on four and six, hit some good shots. He just ended up in some terrible spots um, where it was quite difficult. And then, uh, you know, 12, it was it was just kind of interesting. John hit nine and I hit wedge over the green. So, uh, and then 14, I felt like I just had to make a run for it. So, um didn't feel like I did too much wrong, but it, uh, that's how golf goes sometimes. 
Sean. Brooks, uh, you, you're a pretty fast player, as we know. Just curious, your thoughts on the pace of play this afternoon? Yeah, that group in front of us was brutally slow. I mean, I don't think... I mean, John went to the bathroom like seven times during the round, and we were still waiting. So... <laughs> uh, Brooks Kepka. Uh, we'll we'll have more. Maybe we can play it later in the week, uh, or you guys uh, can can play it on the seventy uh, third hole. But but hey, uh, Sam, we were out there. I mean, it was and and here you, you have John Rahm and Kepka, who are both fast players. And unfortunately, right in front of them, you had mainly Patrick Cantlay. We don't want to get on uh, Victor Hovland too much, but you had some deliberate players in front of them and. I don't want to use that as an excuse, but it was uh, at least Kepka thought it was a factor today. Sam, what do you think? No, it was definitely a factor, not only for those two guys, but the fans as well. It was crazy how easy it was to watch the final group because though that group in front of them, Patrick Cantlay and Victor Hovland, were playing so slow, and that was mainly Patrick Cantlay. But I, I will say this. They did catch the guys from the back nine. Remember, they That's started true. on yes. both nines. And so, like, once they got to number two, T-Box, that Patrick Cantlay group and Victor Hovland group was on the two T-Box. So they had a long wait early in that round. So it really even accentuated the fact um, that even once they got to that back nine uh, and, and got away from those guys that started on the back nine, uh, Patrick Cantlay was still playing slow. And yes, I mean, even if you go back and look at the video from uh, number 13, I was watching it live. Patrick Cantlay took forever on number 13. It wasn't Victor Hovland. Victor was up there waiting. He actually had to wait about 10 minutes in between hitting shots because Patrick Cantlay laid up uh, and was extremely deliberate. Patrick Cantlay definitely needs to speed it up. Brooke, that is not an excuse from Brooks Kepka. That's just the truth. T-Dub, um, any more thoughts? I mean, I know you've talked a little bit about what you saw from Kepka today, but just talk it, talk about it from the standpoint of Kepka being back among guys who are contending in majors. I mean, for him to to uh, finish tied for second again today, I know you know he still didn't have the green jacket. Did tie for second, only one shot behind Tiger back in nineteen. This time he was four shots back, so maybe that's a little easier to take in a way. But in another way, I mean, when this day started, he had a four-shot lead. Now, he knew there was a, you know, he was in danger of having a two-shot swing, and that's, that's what we saw with Rom, with basically uh, Kepka missing about 11, 12-foot putt to open the day. Rom made the nine-footer, two-shot swing at number seven, and then we went from there. But still, it's got to be disappointing to have the two-shot lead going into the final round and for it to get away from him, especially with the 39 on the front side today. Oh, absolutely. And like we were saying earlier, I think he just needs to get back into the flow of it competitively because just to put it in perspective, I think it can be kind of lost in the weeds just because he hasn't been playing well in so long. Everyone knows the four majors, but this now marks his, his eighth finish inside the top two at a major championship. And he has, I believe, what is that, five other uh, top five finishes? So uh, that's 13 finishes inside the top five at a major championship. So that's just absolutely insane. And it's really good for the game of golf, and everyone's going to look at it from a PGA Tour live standpoint. But I'm not going to look at it that way. I mean, Kepka's just been a world-class player, as I just alluded to, over those great finishes in majors, and uh, he's just going to keep doing it, in my opinion, as long as he can stay healthy. still relatively young. Um, oh, he's about to be 33 years old um, here, here in just the next month. So uh, 
still very young, has a lot of career ahead of him. But uh, like a lot of guys that have come out like him, though, I mean, Bryson's kind of in the boat of you, you, you work out and you try to do all this fitness stuff, but then you deal with the consequences and you have injuries. And I think that was a little bit of what, what's happened with Kepkin. So as long as he can stay healthy, it, it's going to be really good for the game of golf because uh, if you can have him up at the top of the leaderboard like you did with these other, or at this week in particular at the Masters, I think it's going to be really good for the game of golf and something that we need, especially, like I said earlier, everyone's going to turn into PGA Tour live, but uh, if that's what's going to tra- draw people to watch the tournaments and really pay more attention to the majors, that's even better for the future of golf, in my opinion. Okay, let's take a timeout. We'll come back, get ready to wrap it up, get some final thoughts from Sam and Taylor Williams. Uh, and also say thanks to, to a number of people. we got so many great people to say thanks to here at Augusta National. Back uh, people like QTIP uh, running the board tonight, uh, working late tonight so that we can put this show on. And really throughout the day, uh, you know, at the sports animal from from Phil with the morning animals to, to Matt Meyer throughout the day to Matt Ravis uh, to Tony uh, in the evening with Al. Uh, great people to work with all week long. Preston Poole as well. And, Pre- and, of course, Preston Poole and QTIP on the weekend, they have been fantastic uh, to work with, and we really appreciate uh, them behind the scenes uh, doing everything they can to make this happen. And also we want to say thanks to our newest sponsor, Groove It Brush. We appreciate them. Hope that's a long-term partnership just like we have with Air Comfort Solutions, Buffalo Wild Wings, Interurban Restaurants, and Golf USA. And remember... Ed Lynn's Buffalo Wild Wings on Northwest Expressway in OKC. Not a bad seat in the house. And you can watch every shot of every major uh, this year at Ed Lynn's Buffalo Wild Wings on the Northwest Expressway right across the street from Lake Hefner Golf and WWLS, the sports animal. We come back with the guys from the 73rd hole, Sam Humphreys, Taylor Williams. They'll also let you know what they have coming up on the 73rd hole. If you're not tuned into that, they'll tell you how to do it. Uh, because we're into major season right now. We've got a lot of huge tournaments coming up. We've got a big tournament coming to Tulsa. We can talk about that. Uh, so we'll get some final thoughts from T-Dub and Sam when we come back to Augusta National. Craig Humphreys reporting live for the Sports Animal. WWLS The Sports Animal Live from Augusta National with Craig Humphreys Proudly sponsored by Air Comfort Solutions Groove It Brush The Inner Urban Restaurants Golf USA and Buffalo Wild Wings on the Northwest Expressway And welcome back to Augusta National. Craig Humphreys reporting live for the Sports Animal, our fourth round wrap-up show, our final segment of the week. And let's hear one more from John Rahm as we get started here. Um, John Rahm was reminded in his press conference that he has become the first European to win both the U.S. Open and the Masters, the first to have that combination, and here was Rahm's reaction. And it's hard to believe that I'm the first one. You know, there's if there's anything better than than accomplishing something like this is making history. So the fact that you tell me that to be the first ever to do first European ever to do that, oh, hard to explain. Out of all the accomplishments and the man, many great players that have come before me, to be the first to do something like that, it's it's a very humbling feeling. Uh, thank you, by the way, because I don't know how I would have found out. Uh, I still can't believe I'm the first. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. It, it is 
It is a pretty good duo of, of majors. They, you know, U.S. Open is about as hard a test that you're ever going to find. And, you know, I was starting to think I was never going to win a major again unless it was at Torrey Pines. So to, <laughs> to come somewhere that, it's not like it was that long ago, but to come somewhere where I've been comfortable, you know, I kept seeing the stats of lowest score to part of the last starts and, you know, how great I've done here in the past, but never really gave myself a chance to win. And all I asked for was a chance and I got it, so... To get that done is, I, I can't hope to feel anything but thankful. John. And that was John Rahm after his four-shot victory today over Phil Mickelson and Brooks Kepka, joined by Taylor Williams and Sam Humphreys. Uh, T-Dub, time for some final thoughts. First of all, T-Dub, I just really appreciate you being with us all week long. Appreciate the work that you do on the 73rd Hole podcast. Folks, you need to be listening to that. And also the radio show that they do every week, every Sunday morning from 10 until noon right here on the Sports Animal. Uh, Taylor Williams, uh, one of the the, uh, founders, he and Kobe Powell, the two founders of the 73rd Hole, then Sam joined them. Now uh, Jim Woodward uh, has joined them. Uh, Kobe has gone on to the golf channel. But, but T-Dub, I respect your knowledge of the game of golf so much, your knowledge and your love for the game of golf. That's why uh, the one reason I am so happy that John Rahm won, because I, I love it that he is a historian. He loves the history of the game. Um, and and the game just it means so much to him. Well, it means a lot to Taylor Williams, folks. This guy is he's far smarter than I am. Knows more golf than I do. But I learn go- more about golf every time I hear one of your podcasts, T Dub. So it, it's great to have you with us this week. Well, those are extremely kind words, man. Just thank you so much for that, and, and, and thank you for all that you've done for us as well. You know, you mentioned me and Colby when we started this up. We actually started the podcast about a week and a half before. COVID really shut everything down, and you were our very first guest that we ever had on the 73rd hole, and then look at the, the huge accomplishment of guests that we've had just in the three years since then has been exceptional, so thank you so much for that, and just want to thank you again for the great week that you allowed me and my dad to have down there at Augusta National. It was one of the best moments, if not the best moment I've had in my entire life, and, and also, too, what he said at best earlier right before he went off, just the fact of with everything that Bev's been going through, the fact that G3 got to experience that and hopefully had a similar moment to what, what me and Dad had on those hollowed grounds. I'm just very thankful that, that everything was able to go good there. And uh, I hope it's not the last that uh, all five of us will at least one point in the week step foot on Augusta National because it's something I will never forget. You bet. And some final thoughts on the golf this week, T-Dub? Well, it, uh, we, we expected it to be a two-horse race coming down the stretch and end up being a one-horse race the last few holes, so a little <laughs> bit of disappointment there. And uh, you kind of mentioned earlier something we don't see very often. We always say the tournament starts on the back nine at Augusta National, but unfortunately this week it started on the front nine. That's where most of the uh, damage was done. You mentioned earlier Rom shot the 35 on the front nine, Kepka shoots the 39, and that's where really everything changed. So kind of a little unorthodox masters there. Really just thankful that we're not uh, having to come back tomorrow. And uh, as, as great as it would be to watch some more Masters golf tomorrow, I'm glad that we got the 72 holes done. And uh, as much as I did want to see uh, Phil Mickelson end up getting it done and maybe Rom cutting down, Rom was my one, one of my one-and-done picks this week, so it allowed me to vault up a little bit higher in the pool. So, uh, so a little bit good there, but uh, just to see Phil Mickelson play some good golf again, is great. Wish we could have seen Tiger play 72 holes, but um, it's still great just to see him play this tournament because uh, as we've seen with uh, how that leg was yesterday afternoon, Tiger does not have much left. So anytime we get to see the greatest of all time on the greatest golf course in the world, it is definitely a blessing. And Sam, final thoughts? 
Guys, I'll remember this Masters for that unflappable final round that John Rahm had. Guys, Brooks Kepka, by the way, his opening 36-hole score of 12-under marked the 12th time in men's major championship history that a player was 12-under or better through two rounds of a major. Nine of the previous 11 before this Sunday went on to win. The two that didn't before today... Greg Norman in 1990 at the Open Championship and Greg Norman in 96 at the Masters. Unfortunately, Brooks now joins uh, his commissioner, Greg Norman, as not being able to get it done after being 12 under at the halfway point. But guys, I'm not going to remember it for some Brooks Kepka choke. It was the fact that John Rahm hit every single shot on this Sunday that he needed to hit, and he is the best player in the world has won six times now around the world since the tour championship that is unbelievable golf historic golf we're seeing from john rom right now and i think guys he said it best in his we didn't hear it in his press conference but in his speech on the putting green while receiving the green jacket Rom said to end the speech, happy Easter and rest in peace, Seve. I think that we have to leave it at that. Very well said, uh, Sam. And, uh, and, and, and real quick before we go, uh, what, what do you have coming up on the 73rd hole? If you think we had a lot of access this week, we're going to have even more access at the live event up in Tulsa. We're going to go through that whole week together. I've been talking to some of Taylor Gooch's people. We're planning on doing some cool stuff with them uh, throughout the week here on the 73rd hole. Obviously, connections with many other guests such as Charles Howe. Maybe even a chance to get some of these live guys like Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau on the pod that week. So definitely stay tuned when live comes to Tulsa in May. Um, but yeah, stay with us every single week. We recap on Monday uh, the previous uh, PGA Tour and live events from the previous week. And then on Wednesday, we always give you a full preview of the events coming up that weekend. Uh, I love T-Dub and I love Woody. Those, those guys do a great job uh, giving you all the information uh, that you need in the golf world. By the way, like I said, the, the story this week was John Rahm, but guys, I don't think we're ever going to have another Masters where the guys that finished tied for second, tied for second, and tied for fourth uh, were ranked 425 in the world, 118, and 70 in the world. I think that's the last time we're going to see that at Augusta Death. Well, everyone can be happy. The Masters got a great champion in John Rahm this week. Uh, for all the, the Live fans out there, they had... Uh, Phil Mickelson and Kepka tie for second, had Patrick Reed in fourth, so they had three players tie for fourth or better. We saw uh, fireworks from Phil and, and Jordan Spieth on a Masters Sunday. It was a great week here, always great to be here in Augusta. So, hey, listen, my thanks to everyone. Q-Tip doing a great job tonight. Preston Poole uh, anchoring much of our coverage from this weekend. Before we go, we want to say thanks to Melissa Lyles. Hey, uh, she, she's the reason we're here. People like Melissa Lyles, Pat Kravitz, just tremendous people. The, the, only the best of the best right here at Augusta National. Uh, the, the media is, is treated better than we deserve, but uh, we I, I count myself fortunate to be able to come to this golf tournament and cover it for the sports animal. Uh, but my thanks to Sam, to you, to you and T-Dub. I mean, you guys did a tremendous job all week long. Also to Jim Wood word from the 73rd hole to everyone uh, you know starting with with phil and zinga and and spinoz and and 
Curtis and Carrie with the morning animals to Matt Meyer, Matt and Pat uh, on Sports Morning, also to Mark Rogers uh, and and uh, Matt Ravis, of course, running the board there. Uh, during the the, uh, the middle of the day show, also to Brad Copeland on with Mark uh, for a number of days, and then to Jim and Al, and also to Tony and everyone running the board back there, especially to Q-Tip uh, and to Preston Pool on the weekend. A lot of people to thank that make this possible. Uh, we just appreciate the opportunity to do this and and to do it for the golf fans in Oklahoma. And it's also great to have an Oklahoma presence here with both Taylor Moore and Taylor Gooch making the cut. Abe Answer also making the cut. Weekend. And maybe not didn't go the way they wanted it to. Uh, and Victor Hovland, right in contention going into the weekend, former OSU player. Great weekend for Oklahoma golfers uh, and golf in Oklahoma here in Augusta. So one final time, John Rahm, your 2023 Masters champion, wins it by four shots over Phil Mickelson and Brooks Kepka. One final time for Taylor Williams and Sam Humphreys and Jim Woodward. I'm Craig Humphreys for the 73rd hole, reporting live for the Sports Animal from Augusta National.